Hey Life Canton, Roger here, Director of Student and Young Adult Ministries. So glad that you are with us, whether you're a returning listener or a brand new one. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow all that so you can see uh, the podcast that we put out. Uh, also, if you are brand new and you want to get connected, plugged into this community, which we would love for you to do because we believe that you belong, be sure to head over to our now page and fill out a connect card. That's an easy way for us to uh, learn who you are. Uh, to answer any questions or even just to see what you're interested in. So be sure to fill that out. Uh, today, we are actually in a standalone message, which is a discussion between Pastor Jared and Pastor Nathan about a very relevant and modern uh, problem struggle in our culture. So give that a listen and I'll catch up with you in just a minute. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us online as well. Welcome to Life Canton. My name is Jared, and I am one of the pastors here. And if you are a little bit newer here, I want to make sure that you get connected so you can fill out a Connect card. There's some on the end of the rows, but also uh, we are heavily moving toward more digital opportunities to connect. So there's going to be a QR code right there on the screen. You can take out your phone right now, even if you want to. Don't be afraid of looking awkward. And then take a picture of that or uh, blow it up on your camera and then click on that link on the QR code and then you can get connected with us, and we would love to help you take a next step. If you've been with us all this summer, we've been in a series on 2 Timothy. We have finished that one. It's a whole long series, so there's plenty to go back and look into if you want to, if you want to learn more about what happened in that series. But today is going to be a little bit of a standalone before we go into our next series, which is all about kind of who we are, our vision, our codes, and you're not going to want to miss that as well. But today, as we're talking, I want to ask you a question. How many of you get this sense of this time of year? You know what I mean? When I talk about this time of year, there's so many things going on. We're back to school. We're back from vacations. We're back to work. It's hurry, 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 busy, 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 move, move, move. Do you feel it? Ah, yeah. I feel it too. I mean, it's like you can sense it in the air, like the seasons. When the seasons change, like there's so much more to do. So you can pack more in. There's more things for the kids to do. There's more things to buy. It's like the fall is like open season. Right. Yeah. um, (laughs) That, I guess. And also in our culture. We like, we just have to consume things. There's this illusion or this temptation that we're required to do more. And it's this idea that not only can we do it all, but we must do it. Actually, I was just thinking like of all the things the kids could be doing right now, like swim lessons. And speaking of which, I really should get on the PTA and all that stuff. And then, and then cider mills Mm -hmm. and all the things you can buy like donuts and, and car deals. And then really we got Thanksgiving coming. So we need to get that big fryer. And man, I just speaking of all this food, pumpkin spice and all that, I really need to work out. So Jared, 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 I figured out that I can multitask and work out while we preach at the same time, making room. Cool. I think you could stop. Thank God I was getting tired. Yeah. It's ridiculous, right? It is ridiculous. And there's a reason for that. And it's a bit of a joke for intentionality. And maybe you get this, maybe you feel this, but unless we show the ridiculousness of it, unless we critique our culture for what it is, for the joke that it is, the hurriedness that it is, I think unless we do all of that, it just remains this subtle thing 
this thing that we just, we just do. We just go about it and we never stop to question it. What am I talking about? We are some of the most hurried, busy people on the planet. In fact, I think we should sit. I would we, like, I we would like sit. to sit. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Thank you. And I think it's, I think it's specific of, of our culture, of our American culture, but I've noticed something specifically in this church. I don't know if that's the, the way it is for everybody in this church, because as I look out, and as I've experienced throughout this summer, we have become much more of a multicultural church. And so, yeah, yeah. that's exciting. But I do wonder, and I'm genuinely curious, for the different cultures that are represented in this church. I, I don't know if that's the case. For the culture that you came out of, or even the actual nation. Some of you have moved from other nations. I wonder, for you, is this hurried, busy culture something that is normal for the culture that you came from? And maybe another question to ask is, as you entered into this culture more and more, or are engaged more in American culture, did you sense your heart race a little bit more? Has it changed a little bit more? Maybe the question to ask for all of us is, does our hurriedness and our busyness, does it affect our connection to God? Hmm. Or perhaps our lack thereof? Yeah. What I love about the Word of God is no matter what culture we come from, uh, no matter where we go, we have one thing in common, and that's centered on Jesus. And so I think about Jesus always, <laughs> and I think about how he interacted with the world and, and the pace at which he had. And when I think of Jesus, he had three years to accomplish all that he needed to do. And so we dived in to the Word and found out in his biographies exactly what kind of pace Jesus had. And um, I mean, it should be unsurprising to us, but I don't think we talk about it enough. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read three short passages of Jesus. And since I'm still catching my breath, (laughs) and we all are here to be unhurried in this moment, I'm going to read them slow. And just let them wash over you as you think about our Savior. And the first one is in Matthew 14, verses 22. This is after a huge miracle. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark 1. 35, after another miracle, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And finally, in Luke, verse 15. Yet the news about Jesus, him, spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is a pattern of a man who was fully connected to God, who was God, and who was perfect in every way. And often he would go to be alone with his father 
and pray. It's powerful. Yeah. I wonder if we've missed this in our pursuit of busyness and hurry. And that this isn't just um, sort of a sidebar to Jesus. This wasn't just an extracurricular event that Jesus was like, you know what, I could, I could do this too. I could also have some time alone. I could also have some Sabbath. I could also have some rest. No, this was actually foundational. Hmm. That word he often withdrew. He's constantly trying to get alone and to be with the Father and to take rest and healing. And you think about three years' time. It's like, no, you got, you got stuff to get done, Jesus. You got to, like, save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also have to, like, heal people, and you have to teach some messages so that uh, preachers 2,000 years from now have all kinds of sermons to write. <laughs> There's a lot to do. Yeah. And it was never convenient. Uh, I think the one you read in Mark, he had opportunities to heal, to... Uh, I think there's one story where he's coming down a mountain. There's demon-possessed people. There's Pharisees fighting. There's all this chaos and drama. That's not a convenient moment to withdraw. No. There's needs there, and yet he's constantly doing this. It's foundational to who Jesus is, and I wonder if we have missed this in our pursuit of Jesus or if we have begun to treat this as, I'll get to that when it's convenient. Mm. I'll rest when I'm dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead, I've heard people say. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll get all my other stuff done, and then I'll have a Sabbath at some point. Yeah. You and I were talking earlier this week about um, how this happens in exercise and yeah. workouts, that we have actually found a way to rest while still exercising. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. (laughs) It's called high-intensity interval training. And the idea of it is that you have these bursts of, you can do it on an exercise bike, you can do it with whatever you want. Uh, CrossFit uses it, but it's used all the way across the board. And the idea is that you do these bursts of strenuous moments. And sometimes they'll only be for 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Sometimes they'll be for five minutes. And then you back off. Mm. And you do something else. And usually it's a, it's a much easier exercise or a different kind of exercise with different muscles. And they literally are giving you this little break so that you can dive back in. But you've never stopped working out. And they call it active recovery. Hmm. Right? They even came up with a word for it. Like, you're going to actively work out while you recover. Right? right? And, it, and it's great. The body, um, the body can really uh, be stressed in this point and grow and you can move faster and get more done in a shorter period of time. And there's all this science behind why it's good. But, but the problem is you can't keep doing it. So it's not like you can actually do a hit workout indefinitely. Right. You have to stop because at some point your body has nothing left to give. And when I think about this, I, I actually just apply it to us. As a society in America, we have been encouraged to actively recover. Do this less strenuous thing to recover to dive back in. But just like the body will eventually fail if you keep doing this without a break, without rest, without recovery, um, so your soul will. (laughs) And so I think most of us live in this zone of I'm going to push, 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 and then I'm going to have some active recovery until everything fails and I have some sort of breakdown. Right. And we wonder (laughs) why our soul is crushed, why we're highly caffeinated, highly medicated to try to grasp at 
some kind of rest, some kind of healing, some kind of um, escape even. Yeah. I, I just think, um, you know, we, when you talk about the words active re- recovery, and then we compare it to the way of Jesus, the way of being that he embodies. And then you look at the scriptures, you read some great verses. There was that one verse um, that we haven't read yet that I want you to read uh, from Matthew 11, which Jesus is talking about rest. But I think the message, hmm. actually, the message translation hones in on that idea of active recovery, but turns it on its head to shift our culture in, in a different way of thinking, a third way of thinking, a better way of thinking. Mm. Yeah. When I read this, I encourage you uh, online, in person. If you're online and you're doing something else while you're listening, that's totally fine. But for a moment, just stop. And if you're in the room, just stop and close your eyes and listen for this plead. I, I, when I read this, it feels like pleading, yeah. begging yeah. In, a, in a very loving way. Right. So it says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grapes. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Mm. <laughs> Where's Jesus getting this? This is the one who's, who's speaking. Where's he getting this? Is this a new thought? No, it's not new. If we believe Jesus is present with God and creation, it's his idea, and it's ancient. It's actually built into not just us as humans, but in us as humans as part of creation. Mm-hmm. It was actually foundational, the idea of rest, the creation of the world. I mean, God modeled this in Genesis. The most powerful being in the world, in, in the universe of all time, the omniscient God for six days produced. And he produced the greatest wonders that we're still exploring to this day. We are exploring all that God did in six days. And then on the seventh day, he got back to work and we rested. And there's this idea of him enjoying, dwelling, reveling in what he produced, and he rested. It's in everything that we do. It's a natural function of humanity and creation, even in the environments. I mean, think about it. It's common practice for farmers to let the ground rest to recover nutrients and to be able to be ready to go. But what's ironic is even in that, the natural function of the ground to grow this crop and then grow it for a certain amount of time and then let it rest, we as humans have figured out how to say, well, if you put soybeans in or you put a different kind of crop in, then it will naturally put the nutrients back. So we have hijacked the very thing that God has created in the world. We are so good at producing Mm -hmm. and so bad at resting. Right. And it's been celebrated in our culture. If you multitask, if you can exercise while preaching a sermon, you, yeah. oh, look, look. My exercise ring's halfway yes. done. I'm good. You're good. Yeah. You're yeah. almost there. <laughs> and we, yeah, we have devices to tell us how much uh, we're producing, how productive we are. Right. And it's absolutely celebrated. Um, you're considered lazy if you don't produce mm. something. 
And I love that idea of this is foundational even in the creation of the world, the creation of the universe, is to not produce, to not create. Not only is it just to rest, but also to not produce. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just, I think that we've lost that. And I don't mean to say that in a shame sense. I mean, we, we've lost that. We can lose that uh, as well as pastors, which if you don't know what all of pastors do, that's fine. Um, but I think one of the things that is maybe unique about our role, then maybe just a Monday through Friday, nine to five, punch in the clock, punch out, is there's this sense that we never really punch out. Hmm. Like being a pastor isn't thing isn't just this thing that I do over there and then I'm done. It's like I'm constantly thinking about the work that we do. Well, it's it's part of the joy of it, but right. also part of the danger. What, right. what do we mean when we say that? Well, it's our job. Right. We get paid. Thank you. Thank God. Like right. that's allows us to do it. But it's also our ministry. Right. Which you're like, well, well, yeah, you're a pastor. No, no, no. Each of us have this calling, this ministry, this this calling from God. So it's both of those things. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. But it's also our community. Right. It's our church. It's our faith. So the intermingling of it, the interwoven nature of it, is it makes it so it is almost impossible to not um, be thinking about your job because it is most of what you do. And and so it it is hard to check out. Right. And so we have to be intentional. In fact, I was on the phone with a friend back in Minnesota um, who's part of a church, a, a large church, and, and they produce a lot of things. They do a lot of great things. Um, but it's a super sad story of a pastor. It just got to be too much. Mm. And he took his own life. Mm. It's too much. And I don't want to be there. Mm. I don't want that. Yeah. Um, and if we're not careful, if we don't hold each other accountable, if we don't hold our staff accountable, to say, to give permission to say, it's not all on you. It's not on your shoulders. You have to be able to turn off at some point. We have to be intentional. And not only just as us as pastors, but all of us as followers of Jesus. All of us have to stop giving into the lie, the illusion that says you have to do it all. One thing that we did uh, this summer actually is uh, take some rest. You, for the first time, took some very intentional rest. You took a month sabbatical. You shared a little bit about that with us a couple weeks ago, I think, or last week. Share just a little bit more about what you experienced in that time, maybe what you learned, what you're still learning from that time. Yeah. Yeah, so I was able to take uh, 30 days where, where I, didn't, I didn't work. I stepped away from the ministry or hearing about it or anything. No one talked to me about it. Thank you, by the yeah, way. Uh, <laughs> so that I could stop. And uh, it's, it's interesting in CrossFit, and, and I'm going back for a reason, uh, in the high-intensity in, in interval training, uh, early in the year, so much so uh, there was a problem, so much so that this problem got taught to us as trainers mm-hmm. um, to watch out for and to pay attention to. And uh, I always mess up the name. It was called uh, rhabdomyolosis, or we just called it rhabdo. And you're like, this is something that can happen to athletes when they engage in CrossFit. And, and what it is, is that you work your muscles so hard that you break them down so that they can build back up, but you do it so much and so hard and you don't rest 
that you actually have the tissue start to break down and enter the bloodstream, mm. which if you know that, it, it, one, it, you know right away because uh, as, you, as you urinate, it's brown, which is bad because that's just your tissue, and it starts to shut down your body because your body is not made to do that. Right. And, and I think for us as pastors, but I don't want to get too focused on pastors too, but mm-hmm. for us as people, we do this so much that our spirit starts to break down yeah. and starts to shut down our spiritual mind and spiritual body. So needing this time to step away completely um, was so crucial. And um, I put some disciplines in place because mm-hmm. I knew um, that there was a million ways to actively recover, <laughs> right? There's a million Netflix shows, there's a million things, and then the best one ever, I don't have it with me right now, but this one. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to keep flicking through and looking at everything. This, it never ends. Yeah. And, I, and I see those. I, I took those things away. So I wasn't going to do anything but, but uh, to read the word, pray, uh, listen to worship songs, exercise, relax, whatever, uh, play guitar. So those were the things I limited myself to, to keep myself from jumping into the production mode. Right. And um, I tell you what, those first two weeks were pretty horrible. Not because I was like, oh, I'm bored, but because I stopped long enough for everything to catch up, mm. you know, from uh, four and a half years of being here, mm-hmm. but uh, from 14 years of ministry, which I've never had a sabbatical, never had a, a time. Right. And um, that was, those catch-up weeks were pretty bad, mm. but I was able to meet God, and God met me, and incredible things happened, um, and by the end, I was in this place of rest, and true rest, like... The burden was off for, you know, at least solid two weeks, and it was joyful. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I've never not worked for, for more than two weeks in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the story for many of you, if, or even smaller. And so I thought before the sabbatical that like two weeks in, I'd start to get stir crazy, right? No, it was really easy not to work after <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> it was this dwelling yeah. and this rest. Um, and so what am I learning from that? Uh, is one, how good it is and how much that needs to be, you know, done in the staff, but how much we need that. And, it, and uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but, but we, we, it's not just a, a one-time thing. Yeah. We'll get to that. But what I'm learning is what happened when I came back in. When I came back in, the staff had done such an incredible job. Things were great, but the weight all hit me again. Hmm. And it's like, you know, you took a backpack off full of rocks and you got used to not wearing it and you right. put it back on and you're like, oh, yeah. this is heavy. Yeah. This is difficult. And so what I'm learning to do now is to continue some of those rhythms of, of removing the things I use to actively recover mm-hmm. um, and instead rest in those rhythms more, more frequently and to learn how to deal with that weight in a way where it's, it's not all on me right. uh, and it, it's, it's on God right. and his movement. Right. And that's what resting does. It teaches you that it's not, it can't be on you. So right. it has to be on someone else. I think you make an interesting point of, so this, up to this point we've been saying, you don't have to pack it all in. You can't do it all. Um, you would take it a step further and to say, what else can be removed? Yes. As well, not only can't you do it all, but you shouldn't do it all. You don't need to do it all. Start thinking about ways to remove even things from your life mm-hmm. so that you're not bogged down with the, uh, the clutter of everything. I didn't take um, a whole month, but I did take three days. And uh, I went up to a little cabin in the woods that was falling apart. It was perfect. It was exactly <laughs> what I needed. Uh, a neighbor's family member let me borrow that. And so I got there. I drove there. I got you know all my stuff set in. And 
and I'm, I'm kind of making my plan in my head of all of these things I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went to sleep that night and woke up the next morning and I was like, okay, here we go. All right, I'm gonna, I got my Bible, I got my journal, I got my book, I got my pen, I'm going to do all of this stuff to Sabbath. <laughs> and it was pretty quick that I felt like I, I don't know, sensed God speaking to me, heard the voice of God, not an audible voice, but just a, a sense of what he wanted me to hear. And, um, and I did write it down. Uh, because I wanted to capture that moment so that I could remember it for later. But then after this, I, I did close my books. I closed my Bible even. I closed my journal, and I just needed to be. And I stared off into the distance for, I don't know, an hour and a half, maybe. <laughs> I wasn't keeping track of time. I didn't have my watch on me. I wasn't producing. It didn't keep track of my Sabbath time. But I wrote this down uh, to remind me. Slow down, Jared. Stop figuring out ways to perform. That's not why I love you. And then this was unique for me. And I've shared a little bit with this church about uh, my ongoing healing relationship with money Hmm. um, and comparison. And I wrote this down. Stop thinking that Sabbath is a strategic means to produce gold as you compare yourself to other men and their riches. Mm. I was using Sabbath as a, um, as a leadership development program. <laughs> Honestly, how do I get better? Not only how do I get better within myself, but how do I get better than the other guy, than the other woman, than the other... Just comparison. And I just stopped. And it was so good and so healing and so restful. And, and then I came back. And I'm thinking, like, how do I get to take this moment into the everyday of my life? Not everybody here is going to get to take a sabbatical. Not everybody can even take three days. There's a lot of single parents that are just half, you have to be on all the time. You don't get the luxury of this. And so I'm, I've been thinking, and I'm, I'm even thinking now as I'm talking, because I'm, I'm, I feel myself talking really slow. <laughs> and later on, like some of you are going to listen to this double speed, and it's going to sound normal. <laughs> um, I would encourage you actually not to listen to this double speed to force yourself to slow down. But this is what, what, what I realized in my time with God in just a, the short amount of time that I had, is this is an Imago Dei thing. This is an Im- image of God. How I view myself yeah. as a reflection of how I view God. Mm. And we talk about this, this is our vision, right? To reclaim our identity in Jesus. I want to reclaim the image of God in me. That what I think about myself and what I think about what I can produce is a reflection of what I think about God. And so that needs to be constantly transformed in me, yeah. constantly healed in me. And I'm reminded of a, of a high school student, actually, that I had a conversation with. I was working in student ministries at my last church for a long time, and I, I talked to this junior in high school. 
And he told me how he was raised from the time he was like three years old to play hockey. Hockey's huge in Minnesota. And, uh, and so he just was on constantly, hockey, 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 all the time, all the way up until the time that he was a junior in high school when he got a really nasty injury. And he was told, you're most likely not going to play hockey ever again. And he told me, he said, Jared, I don't know who I am anymore without hockey. This is an image of God thing. Yeah. That we are constantly producing and feeling the need to produce, to add more stuff, to pack more stuff in, to consume more stuff. And it's starting to form our understanding of who we are in the image of God. And I, I'm so struck by your uh, story. Thank you for sharing that that moment, that moment where, I mean, you don't, uh, maybe you didn't realize, but God was correcting you right. in that moment. Right. But like with gentleness and love and care. Yeah. And he was saying to you, like, if you keep fixing your eyes on the people around you and their gifts and their ministry and what I'm doing through them and how I've created them, then you're never going to fix your eyes on me. Right. And it's only in this, this gift of our salvation, which is this time to encounter Jesus and God in the silence, in the rest, that we find out who we are. Mm. And so as humans, we are idol worshipers. And what I mean that is we will worship something, we will find identity in hockey, we'll Mm. find it in our producing, we'll find it in a million things, but it's only in one place. And so this Sabbath rest is a time where you are walking in the garden with God Mm. and he's speaking into who you are. Right. And um, there isn't that place unless there is space for it. You know, I would, um, as we kind of move into like the idea of how do we do this? How do we do this as a rhythm of grace? This breathing in and out of God? How, how do we do this? I, I thought about this one illustration from a professor. Uh, he would start off his first, you know, freshman in college and he'd get out this huge jar and he'd have rocks and he'd have pebbles and small rocks and, and sand. And he would say, listen, guys, you have to get your priorities straight. And he's like, if you just throw all this stuff in willy-nilly and the, the things like sand or things that are not really necessary and rocks and, and then the, the big, huge, boulder rocks are, are like paying your bills and, and doing the things you need right. to do. And he just starts throwing it in there. And then what ends up happening is like it doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. If you put the sand in first, you can't actually fit everything in there. And so what he would then do is say, look, you've got to figure out your priorities. And he would take the big rocks and put them in. He says, those go in first. Now yeah. they fit. He says, now we got to take the little ones, like the, the homework and the things that you need to do. I'm going to put these in. And he puts them in. And, and then he says, and then you fill it with all the rest. And he pours sand in all the way up to the brim of this uh, uh, big, huge jar. And, and his point was like, if you prioritize, you can fill your life with all these things. And then the joke would be, then he'd pull out an adult beverage, crack the can in, and pour it over the top. And he says, and this is to let you know, there's always time to have a beer with a friend. <laughs> what a great illustration. Sure, yeah. I love that illustration. Except it's predicated on the idea that we must fill. And, uh, you know, I don't know which, like, karate movie or whatever I heard this from. <laughs> but the idea was like, hey, I want to be taught by you, sensei. Teach me, teach me, teach me. I want to know. I want to learn. I want to grow. And the sensei looks at this, this student and says, you are too full. There's no room for me to give you anything. <laughs> and, and I think that's what we do with our lives. Yeah. Like, yeah, some of us got excited. If I could just reprioritize. You know, what I learned when I came up here 
is that um, I had prioritized and not found the end of myself yeah. before coming up here, of ability to, to focus and to order my life and all that, and discipline. I love discipline. It's a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I could fill it. I came to the end of my ability. And what did I have left? Well, what's after this? Well, I have to remove. Yeah. And so I think what we need to learn is that rhythm of removing and not trying to actually fill. Should we prioritize? Absolutely. I'm going to give you some ways to prioritize. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to have to learn the discipline of not filling mm-hmm. up. And I'm, if that doesn't feel challenging, you know, I'm paying attention. Because everything tells you to fill all the way up. Yeah. And it's not possible. And it's not who you were created to be. So what are, the, what are the daily and weekly rhythms that we can engage in? What are the things that we can do? And um, I want to talk about them, and then, and then we're going to move into a moment where we actually do the Holy Spirit, uh, do the, the Holy Spirit exercises, and we breathe together in a moment. Um, but during that time, what I'm going to say just now will be up, but just listen. There's, there's a beautiful app that has come out from John Eldridge, and the app is called the Pause App. And the whole point is that it sends you a notification on your, you know, your, your crazy device that sucks the life out of you. And instead, it's trying to give you life. And it gives you a pause moment. And then he has a lot of other things you can engage in. But the idea is for that moment, you stop, you pause, and you engage in something called benevolent detachment. And what that means is I say, hey, the tasks I need to accomplish today, I give them over to you, God. The relationships that are struggling, the things that are on my mind, I give it up to you. And you do it multiple multiple times a day, and it's giving you the chance to learn how to rest and to to give up control Mm -hmm. of that. I think that's uh, something you can look up and engage to start. It's a great one. And then the second thing I would encourage you is has to do with your phone. And I think the phone needs to be restricted. Mm. You need to say, hey, um, the way I do it is, is my phone, it becomes less and less and less about all the things I can engage in. And so now I don't even check email on it. I don't check Facebook on it, which I rarely check anyways because it's a cesspool of death. <laughs> um, personal opinion. Uh, <laughs> Very strong person. Except for opinion. the people that are watching this on Facebook right now. Not exactly. assessable. Yeah, yeah okay, not just, assessable. Just want to make sure we're clear on that. A necessary evil. Maybe. Sure. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, Instagram, movies, YouTube, all, you remove all of it. And it's a place for the Word of God, for maybe a book, and, that, and phones, and texting. I know, right. that's crazy. Um, and you just say, I'm going to discipline to myself that I'm going to do these certain kinds of things on a different device, on a computer or something like that. I think we need to learn those disciplines. And then thirdly, um, a daily rhythm of prayer. And you start off where I'm going to pray for 15 minutes every day for 30 days or 30 minutes, whatever you think you can handle. And you say, I'm going to get first thing I do when I get up, I'm going to engage in this rhythm of Sabbath rest. Um, I think that those are huge yeah. things to engage in. And I'm going to ask you to do one of those. The other things you can engage in is, is weekly. So that's daily, weekly. And, and the big two that come to mind is where we're at right now. The weekly time together in prayer and worship. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you as a family to make Sunday your Sabbath. And that might be hard. It might take you a little bit because you've got to get out of some commitments, some mm-hmm. sports commitments and those kinds of things. But make it a day where you're not producing See, often we actively recover. We work all week, and then we go home and work all weekend on the stuff at our home. Mm. And so we think that's restful. It is not. And Sabbath is this time of rest. And maybe you start with a half day. From the morning, the time we wake up 
until after, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, we do nothing except go to church, come home, and rest. And I think those weekly rhythms are crucial. Finally, is, is the life groups. Being in a discipline where you put this big rock in and say, I am going to be, meet with a group of people who can, can support me and love me and care for me, and I can serve them and love them and support them. And so next week, we're, we're launching and filling up our life groups, and mm-hmm. it becomes this rhythm of people who surround you, who help you engage in encountering Jesus. Right. Yeah, I love all of those things that we can do, <laughs> and they are active yes. things and that they're good things. And if we only make those the only things, then it can just become another set of doing. Right. Um, it's not just out there, not just in our culture. It's within church culture too, that we can get burnt out too. Um, and so I think the most important thing for that I'm learning is this isn't more things to do. Although there are some good postures and disciplines that I'm going to do. I, I am. This is a way of being, yeah. a way of being, and a way of understanding who I am in Christ, who I am in Jesus, as created in the image of God. And so I need to be reminded of that second by second. That's, that's the kind of rhythm I need. And I was actually, I was meeting with my counselor after I'd gotten back from my Sabbath retreat. And I was just talking about how it was good. Some things were like, um, brought to light for me and just understand things in a different way about my marriage, about my work, about um, just who I am as a person. And he's like, that's really great. <laughs> but what if you didn't have the woods? <laughs> what if you didn't have the cabin to go to? And I had to think about that. I didn't have an answer in the moment. And so it's been something that I've process, been processing these last couple days of this has to be a way of being that I'm constantly thinking about. And we have to do this in community. So yes, Jesus goes by himself often in solitude, but I I imagine that he took moments to train and equip his disciples Mm. to model this behavior as well in this kind of activity or inactivity for that matter. And so we wanted to do that for the rest of our time today. And this was the only part of the sermon or whatever you want to call this that we didn't plan. We didn't, we said, Hey, we're going to do a thing. (laughs) That's all we said. We're just going to let the Holy spirit lead. And so you talked about control, like even as pastors sometimes, and especially with sermon writing, I want control. I want to know how the beginning, the middle, the end is going to go. We didn't control this part. Um, And we want this part to be unique to this gathering. We're going to have another gathering at 11. It's going to be completely different for them too. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes and this might be old hat for you. For some of you, you're like, yeah, I do this all the time. This is great. Let's get moving. Stop talking so we can do it. <laughs> and for others, you're like, no, 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 I, I'm not good with solitude because, because I'm going to be really afraid about all of the things that I got to do once I get home and I got to, you know, put this in the oven and, and these people are coming over and then we've got this thing we've got to go to. I get it. Don't judge yourself for having all of those thoughts flood into your mind. It's natural and it's normal. But this is an opportunity to begin somewhere and to allow the Holy Spirit to take over control. And so I don't know what this is going to be, but I do know you're going to start. 
Oh, and, um, and, and just so you're not taken off guard, David's going to be playing just a little bit of music to help us be centered a little bit for some of you who um, that's helpful to you. Um, but I would encourage you to, to just at least start with just sitting flat-footed, hands on your knees, phone down, silent. And we're going to breathe and allow the Holy Spirit to take over. If you want to, you can close your eyes. You can lift your hands up. If you want to, you can stand, move around. You can get on your knees, whatever you need to do. Uh, But I'm going to ask first for all of us to become aware of the Holy Spirit who knew you'd be here, each of you, who had a plan for what he wants to communicate to you and who cares for you. So Holy Spirit, we know you are here because we are gathered to worship God. So I pray that we would become aware of your presence that each of us would feel your peace, your calmness, your gentleness, the soft fire, the presence of God begin to fill us from the very bottom of our feet. That we would feel your love, your approval, your care, your love, and that it would begin to move up our body, that we would be filled all the way up to the top of our heads, that we would overflow in awareness of your presence, that you are with us, that you care for us, that you love us so deeply that we will never be able to explore the height or the width or the depth of your love. And I pray that in this space, quiet our hearts and allow you to speak. to take a deep breath. Maybe you're feeling your chest constrict a little bit because you've forgotten to breathe. If you're thinking about all of the things that need to get done, that's okay. Just imagine them, picture them. Maybe picture a, t- a table in your apartment, your house, your town home. And if all of your things that you've got to get done are on that table, just look at it, acknowledge it. It's okay. And then maybe just turn your head and imagine looking at a different spot in your house, your apartment, wherever it is that you live. Maybe a spot that's not cluttered. 
want you to think about Jesus in how in his ministry, it's not as though there was an absence of need or crisis. Everywhere he turned, there was a crisis. There was something to get done. And in fact, one of his best friends dies and he gets news about it to come quickly to fix the situation. And after hearing about it, he stays exactly where he is for two more days. He does not hurry. You will always have a crisis. You will always have a need. There will always be a requirement to respond with urgency. I want you to hear this. Your hurriedness is not a measure of your love for others. Jesus says that there will be betrayal and hatred of others. And that it'll be because of wicked people. People who refuse to feel remorse. And then it says that their love has grown cold. And I believe that some of us in this room Our love has grown cold, numbed. Our ability to care for others, to empathize with them, to even love our enemies, has been stunted, either because of the betrayal we have experienced or we have allowed our world to polarize us and become hateful. I pray in this moment you would allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind anything you need to own, anything you need to ask forgiveness for, and that you would confess it to Him and say, this is where I have gone wrong. That God would bring a godly sorrow on your heart so that as you turn to Him, He would reignite the love Christ's love in your heart. Breathe in His grace. Feel His forgiveness. Do not let the wickedness of others or the wickedness in our heart cause us to become cold to those who Christ has called us to love. you take in your next deep breath be encouraged to not feel the temptation to produce 
because that's not why God loves you. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, Pastor Jared and, and Nathan really unpacked a, a pretty big issue in our culture, which is hurry and rush and all the anxiety and distraction that comes with that. So I hope you were challenged, uh, and I hope that this week you find Sabbath and rest in God. Uh, also, if you want to participate in what God is doing in this community to bring us rest and Sabbath and uh, relationship and and all the things that he is is bringing to us and in the directions he is taking us, then I want to remind you that uh, one of the ways to do that is to give, to give to the mission of God in this church. So head over to our Life Church Canton forward slash give page to uh, be a part in that way. Um, but I hope you have a great week, a restful week, a week full of Sabbath, and we'll see you again real soon. Bye.